people want to do what's easy, right? And I'm not easy, right? And so, because I'm from this neighborhood, it's only there's only but so much you can pacify yeah. me with because yeah. I have to go home to these people. Yeah. Difference, it's a difference, right? Yeah. Like when it's a difference to look like the community than it is to be the community. Yeah. So if you come to me, you're like, oh well, yeah, this is what we can do. Yeah, I'm the community. That's not enough, right? Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast, a weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. Welcome to a new episode of Blue Dream Radio. This is your co-host, Abby G. And this is your co- your host, um, Freedom. And we are here with the cannabis Nori, Sheena Rob- Robertson. Um, she is a cannabinoir, a cannabis activist, a, a all-around chess advocate for communities of color. And this is um, it's our, what, 14th episode or something like that? For nice. Schools. Um, for season two, yeah, season we have a total of thirty-two episodes out. Uh, so we started awesome. a year ago, and we are here now, a year later, yeah. uh, with cannabis. This knowledge. is so cool! <laughs> yeah. Yay! So, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having awesome. me. We're so excited. Um, all right, so what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna uh, uh, introduce you a little bit, and then give you a space, uh, Sheena, so you could just talk about yourself, um, your company, and then we'll we'll jump in from there. Cool beans. Awesome. So cannabis has become an essential and integral business for the world, but those who have been oppressed, harassed, incarcerated, and miseducated by the war on drugs are still being left out of the industry. We need organizations to educate, agitate, and organize while giving communities of color, color the tools to become successful in the cannabis industry. This week or today, we are speaking with Sheena Robertson, uh, or Roberson, um, CEO and founder of Cannabis. Is it Nori or Noir? It's Noor. Oh, I, I say Nori. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Noor. Okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Um, Sheena's an activist and cannabis advocate from Philly. What, what? Uh, yeah. Who created the cannabis advocacy organization to make her community equipped with all the tools necessary to become advocates, av- activists, educators, business owners, and CEOs in the cannabis space. So sit back. Roll up and let's get a higher on Blue Dream Radio. So, mm-hmm. welcome, Sheena. <laughs> yes, thank you. All there. Y'all are officially my intro people from moving forward. Yes, all of that. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what's the name of your company. And what your company's about. I mean, quite frankly, I don't really want to go after that. I feel like if I say anything, it's not going to be as good as that sounds. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, we are... Um, a platform that was, you know, developed out of, I guess, necessity. I always jokingly say, um, my grandma used to say, you know, necessity breeds invention. Mm -hmm. And um, there wasn't a space for minorities that I saw um, in in the existing cannabis space where I was at, or, um, you know, it it was something that I had no, no idea existed until I stumbled upon a conference that was being held in my city. Um, And for somebody who's very well connected, um, I've always been a part of 
like social activism, um, anti-gun and youth violence prevention initiatives, work very heavily, you know, with the Philadelphia Anti-Drug and Anti-Violence Network, Greater Philadelphia Urban Affairs Commission. Um, I, I am embedded in kind of in, in social justice and kind of like social services. Um, and I just pretty well connected with, with things that happen in the city. And I had no idea about this. Um, and as somebody who, um, is familiar with cannabis or was familiar with cannabis at the time. Right. Um, I thought it was strange that I had never heard of it. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. why I missed this? How did I miss that? And then I realized, you know, upon going that it wasn't just me that wasn't there. There were a lot of people who did, who looked like me that weren't represented there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also noticed that there was, um, there were very big conversations happening, right. About the future of cannabis, the industry, money, legalization, like conversations that I felt like, people of color needed to be a part of in particular right and so i'm like this is happening right under our noses like this is they try to pull the fast one on us kind of thing because you know like there's no way you have this great a turnout in this this larger facility the convention center is the largest event venue in the city of philadelphia there's no way that you're filling up that space without marketing right and so that tells me that you're just marketing to specific demographics demographics Mm -hmm. that did not include my people and so um when i got back i started talking about it and telling people about it and having conversations and you know the more i talked to people the more i realized that they didn't really know what their rights were what the legalization was in philly how to get registered as a medicinal patient Mm -hmm. that they were eligible to be patients at all um you know i think that was probably the biggest biggest conversation that i had initially was that like oh wait i would be eligible like a lot of people from my neighborhood and my community who look like me naturally assumed that they just weren't eligible and wouldn't be or wouldn't be considered a medicinal patient Mm -hmm. um and from that it kind of grew you know the more we realized you know the cannabis industry is there's so many amazing things that you can mm-hmm. be a part of in the beginning you're like i want to do this you know i was yeah, I yeah, a yeah. tender a lab tech <laughs> I wanted to do this person wanted to make labels a little bit of everything so it was like I, I was just so excited um that it was just like we were just plugging into so many awesome people that um we were able to offer resources and just connections to these different folks that we were yeah. coming across in the space um and it just grew from there and like five people turned into seven thousand people you know and um now we offer like education and training we do a lot of networking events very big on advocacy and we are currently preparing for national expansion week 2020 yeah. <laughs> oh, oh we're very excited oh, hey no <laughs> oh you outdid me i should have worn my shirt yeah we out there <laughs> uh, yes. i love and that to be loud you know she's the She's the the national the organizer for New York. Yes. Uh, for the East Coast, I guess. For yes. New York. No, no, for New York. So, New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for New York. So shout out. Yes. Shout out to <laughs> awesome. So we have our kind of quote of the day, uh, where we read you a quote from someone impactful in the world, and then we just ask you oh, for cool. your thoughts about it. So uh, okay. this quote comes from uh, Alice Walker, the author. Mm. Uh, the <laughs> most common way to excuse me, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. They have any, yes. So how do that's you one of my that? favorites. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because that's, um, I mean, I guess that that's um, the kind of undertone for the day is that in, our, in the cannabis space, I think a lot of what happened was that we didn't realize that, well, we still don't realize the power in numbers and the amount of leverage we can have collectively 
if we are constructive about how we want to approach things. Um, and, and I, and I think in a lot of ways, that was more of the, the goal is that we wanted to educate people and we definitely wanted people to understand the medicinal benefit, but we also wanted to get people game ready, mm. like for the industry, right? Like get more players on the field. You know, there's less of an opportunity for you to turn a thousand of us away than it is 10 of us, right? And so if we can get a hundred viable businesses on the line, then yeah, there's more of a chance that a black one will be chosen for this opportunity or, you know, a person of color will be used for this specific service, right? Um, and so when you say, you know, when you use that quote, it's kind of reminiscent of some of the the the, the thought process or the focus of our execution when it in terms of like what our what our overall goal is and it's more so to kind of empower our folks to know that they can do this right i think this apprehension and just a lack of knowledge or understanding is just like oh well no just like you're not thinking that you're eligible to be registered for a patient it just never crossed their mind that they would even be medicinally eligible or, or, you know, that would even qualify for them. So I think for them not seeing a lot of million dollars, successful businesses pop up every day in their community, right? There's not a big point of reference. And so from that, that lack of understanding creates this, this apprehension and this fear or this assumption that that's just not something that you're able to do or something that you, you would succeed at. Um, and, and we're just trying to unravel that myth and make sure that people know that that is the worst thing that you can do is to sell yourself short before you get the opportunity to get out there. Um, especially with our, our, our return to citizen program, members, you know, a lot of them come out very disheartened and very frustrated um, and very confused. And it's very easy to, to mistake a lot of their frustration for, um, you know, for, for, um, combativeness. Right. And it's very easy to misunderstand folks. Um, and for black people. 99.8% of us. (laughs) I am a part of it. I'm that I'm that last eighth right there. So you know, so when so when you know you have this uh, this kind of innate like assumption that you're just not going to be able to do it, mm. e- you know, it it just it's, it's just another tally mark on the board for them, right? They're counting on that. They're you know they've factored that into their projections already that they they see the lack of um, confidence we have in ourselves in this space and, and what we can do and what our capabilities could, could potentially be. Um, so, yeah, I love that. I'm going to put it on my Facebook. Facebook. Cool. Yeah, well, totally copy paste this into the number two. You know, yeah, it's so, sure. it's, it's, it talks about the industry, but I also feel like now in the time of like the corona, the coronavirus and just like it, it's just it's such a powerful quote and i think yeah yeah you look at the structures that are created throughout our society for like people of color but straight up for like black people too um it's it's really like we have so much power it's just a matter of us recognizing and acknowledging it and once we do once we do we have our power in numbers more than anything and, oh, man, yeah yeah I, yeah and i think that's what people are most frightened of is that one day that happens and that everything yeah. Is, is, uh, we just realize the power that we have, and it's, um, and we're gonna take we'll over. Be unstoppable. Yeah. We'll be yeah. unstoppable. I mean, I mean, they beat us so hard over the years with that, but with the, you know, with that 
hammer, um, you you are worth anything. Like this is mm-hmm. this is the neighborhoods that you are allowed to be in. Right, this, right. This the food that you are allowed that you are allowed to eat. This is the school right. and the education you're allowed to have. And yeah. maybe two or three of us can make it in the basketball game. Or can mm-hmm. make it in uh, music, music and industry. that's still under my control and my <laughs> directive. It's yeah. not even on right. So yeah, and and that's what and it's and that's where you know we are kind of, um, you know, even you know as we talk about like the cannabis space, and I keep telling like guys, you are you know the natural cultivators, you are the born you know creative artists you know the, the you know the, the, the it's, marketers it's built into yeah. our dna right yeah. the, the, it's just kind of who we are right like mm-hmm. and and so the hard part is is done yeah. like you have all the sauce you need the hard part is over that you know these people have all of the business tools that they need to be successful but they're they, they lack what we have naturally right yeah. and so a lot of times you know, we get, we, we forget, you know, that. it's like, seriously, <laughs> like they're paying, th- think about how much marketing and branding costs. What is that? Yeah. It's, what can we do to assimilate their culture to see mm-hmm. more popular, more relatable? How can we resonate better with this demographic? We're spending, they're spending money to figure out how to spend money to get us to spend money with them. Right. Yeah. How we can, how can we make this look more like them? Yeah. How can we make this look cooler? Yeah. It, which essentially is something we'd already did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we set the trends. Every trend that has been put in this earth, we have we are the set the the trend setters, yeah. you know. And one thing also, and, like not just um not thinking that they beat us down that we are not worth anything, but also the people that are because there's so many black and Latino entrepreneurs and college graduates and all that different things, but you don't see that on TV. The only thing right. is to look at the poor neighborhoods, look at these people, they're killing each other, they're mm-hmm. selling drugs and all that different yeah, stuff. But the stereotype, so, right? The but there's, yeah. Means, right? But there's so right. many of us, and it's funny because I've been, you know, once you start getting into the cannabis industry and, and like, like me getting into the youth work and all these different yeah, things, the activism, mm-hmm. social justice, you know all the professionals and all the people that, that, have, that are fighting um, to create a new narrative right. of our communities, but they don't show that. Right. And yeah. TV or in the news or wherever they, they showing their and stuff. That, and that, yeah. And that's frustrating too, because that's a part of the whole, like the mis the misrepresentation in the, in the, in the, I, I purposely mis misleading branding that they yeah. do. Right. That, um, paints this this picture of what the cannabis industry is, what it looks like, who's successful in it, and what mm-hmm. they look like, um, what success looks like in this mm-hmm. space, right? There's all these different um, exaggerated concepts, right? And it's funny because for us, and this, and for for us in, in particular, it's very hard to find images that aren't poorly depicted, right? Yeah. And then when you get to the cannabis space, it's like you know, it's either like corner boy, baggy clothes, you know, game banging, you know, versus like the stoner, camping, wave, yeah. you know, bonfire, like beach house. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, they're two very different movies, right? Very yeah. easily. 
um, the same plant, same, same, you know, same approach, same reasoning for, for lighting up. Right. And, and, but yet somehow this depiction are so drastically different from each other, but, and, 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 but it's those things that we have to make sure that we are, and that's what I mean, getting us on the field. We're in those spaces. We have to be in those rooms. You know, just like we talked about social advocacy yesterday and, and they were, you know, mentioning how they wanted to make sure that we incorporated everybody. And how can I make sure that people who weren't from my community who didn't look like me, how can they still help, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need to have the conversations with the people in the room that look like you, that won't talk to me, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and figure out who you can talk to in my community that you can get accurate information for because if you're putting up basketball courts at a place we don't go because it's a shoot zone now, you've yeah. not done us any favors. You've only done it for you and your yeah. soundbite, right? And so now when we're talking about branding, yeah, you can't you can't accurately depict my culture without having somebody in a room to say, hey, we don't do it like that. <laughs> yeah. That's not what happens. We don't roll right? the blunt like that. We got to do it. We don't like- put that in our macaroni and cheese. That's just not <laughs> what we do. <laughs> but what we do do, right? And so, and when we have somebody, and I mean, like down to the legal system, we're talking about expungement week coming up. I mean, there's people I've had conversations with. They're like, "Yo, if I wasn't in a room, they literally would have mistaken their slang for a mental defect. Like mm-hmm. it was a guy who was like a, a three percenter. So he's talking like the gods and the earth yeah. and the, his son. And and, and the, the the lawyer literally was like, "Yo, I don't know what he's talking about." he's you know we probably should just take the plea it's got a mental case and, she, and then this young associate goes in and hands like, she's like no he's a three percenter they you know the, those guys from 125th street like no he's straight but this is what he's saying yeah without that conversation though without that interpretation that you can't get from somewhere else right it has to be somebody from genuinely from this space right like if you hadn't had that conversation you sent this boy to jail for no yeah. reason Right. And so now we're talking about it's way beyond just the marketing and the branding and whether I like the way you put me in your commercial or if there's a speedboat versus a Chinese store in it or not. This is about whether or not somebody's going to jail. Right. Whether or not this cop wants to arrest me, because the last thing he saw was that image of me smoking in front of a Chinese store versus this white kid on a a ski jump. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so. It's, it gets really crucial and, and important to make sure that representation in that space and, and getting us on the field and, and, and game ready is, is, is imperative, right? Like, it's, that's, that's the goal, right? Having as many people to, to be in as many different spaces in this industry to help make sure that it's properly, um, everyone's properly represented. For sure. Could you tell us, you know, a little bit about your company and how it was formed? What was your inspiration and... Wanted to get into the industry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I was mentioning in the conference earlier, you know, I thought I was going to a, can, you know, a cannabis conference. So I'm like looking for like the joints and like the tools <laughs> and the accessories. It was like all these white guys in suits. And I was like, yeah. Yes. When I went to the cannabis expo in New York, it was the same thing. <laughs> so I was like, well, do they have the joints? I'm confused. What, what's, what's happening here? Are they, what's are they holding them for us? I don't feel comfortable smoking around these well, A lot of them smoke, though. All None smoke. of these people smoke. They don't look like they're... And, and again, and, and, and it just goes to show, like, the difference in our culture. Immediately, I was like, I'm not smoking in front of them. Because my my neighborhood, I come from North Philadelphia. Nobody in my neighborhood dare smoke in front of somebody dressed in a three piece yeah. suit. That's Caucasian. No. No, he's either your lawyer, your parole yeah. officer, somebody's judge, or somebody's cop. Okay, like yeah, yeah, not, yeah. that's it. They're not even teachers that come in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the limit. They live. They stay at school, so it definitely wasn't a teacher. 
I don't know who that white man was. I ain't smoking a person, <laughs> right? And so, and so, and you know, I'm hearing at the space, and I'm like, hey, this is it, it was just interesting. And, and to point out, um, this is where I and I, I you know discovered women grow as an organization. Um, and you know, there were two minority women manning that table, and I could I, we literally stumbled across them by accident. They were all the way, the way in the back. back. Yeah, very very far back left. Yes. I would not have like I I got lost and found them. Thank God, right? Because I, I realized that there was there was some representation, but it also showed me what they thought of yes. where we belonged in that scheme mm -hmm. of things, right? Like I mean, they're down past food and 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 like trinkets and things that mm -hmm. are no longer as cannabis centered, right? Like whereas though women grow probably one of the larger you know cannabis organizations in the space should have been somewhere in the front know, amongst that matrix of other like you know uh, organizations they should be they should be like the first one in the front so the first thing you see when you come in it's like an advocacy uh, uh organization that's helping you would think you would yeah, think. That's helping you would people think. get in the industry but whatever you would think and so from so from there i was like okay so they're not trying to let us know i'm gonna go tell everybody like i'm gonna go tell everybody and so and you know people were receptive and for the most part but i think a lot of it was you know there was a lot of apprehension that was like you know what um that's cool and everything college girl but you we can't just walk around smoking weed i'm sorry i don't you know like and so i had to explain like no you know like this is a thing. We can get you registered. Like, let's talk about PTSD. Now let's have the conversation for mental health. And for a lot of ways, it helped me because, you know, I do a lot of like social advocacy work and, and stuff outside of this. Before, you know, I was in cannabis, this was the work I was doing. You know, we had a youth mentorship program. You know, we were, we were, we had Building Bridges, which was a, a, a organization to help young black men. We worked with the Office of Black Male Engagement here in Philadelphia. So we've always been in that space. But now it was like, we had this avenue to kind of have these different conversations. Like, okay, you know, like we might not have been able to get you to talk about PTSD before, but if it gets you a cannabis card, let's see if you'll have a conversation now about <laughs> yeah. it, right? And it's like, well, you know, I do be stressed. Like, okay. <laughs> How are you stressed? Yeah, yeah. Like, tell me. Like, and so now we have this conversation, and it's like, you know, all the things that you were mistaking as you having these flare-ups or the people to say you're a hothead or you're short-tempered, it's actually you being triggered. And then understanding yeah. what being triggered is, right? And then recognizing that as not having... Because I know so many people who... Like, I, we did a dining dialogue on PTSD and cannabis in the Black male community. Mm -hmm. And... We had a young man who stood up and said it was much easier for folks to have airbrushed t-shirts with rest in peace than to have conversations about what was bothering them. Ooh. And um, uh. he's a nursing student and he goes on to say, you know, I just got out of jail and I'm, a I'm in school, but I can't get a job. And then my kid's mom talks about me because I can't, pay the bills and do anything mm -hmm. and and I'm I'm I want to I want to go back to um you know the streets but I don't want to get caught up but I don't have any money and I need mm -hmm. and so we're having this conversation with him and you know Blackman Hill is there and, a, and you know we had some other supportive services there it's talking about this and um and he says yeah and you know and cannabis really just honestly keeps me from wanting to do something stupid and 
but it never occurred to him that he had ever experienced PTSD in any way. It never occurred to him that he was depressed, right? It never, it never occurred to him that, yo, I probably can't have a conversation with somebody about this, right? Um, And so then, you know, we got to have that, that conversation and talk about how important, you know, self-medicating and on top of, you know, having the conversation about why we need to self-medicate coupled with it, right? And not just thinking that smoking is the end-all, be-all, addressing the underlying issues. And then and then figuring out, back, you know, we can backtrace from that and figure out what else we need to do to invest in you guys to make sure that you acclimate and re-acclimate back into society as healthily as possible. But when you have those conversations like that, and it's like, that that's somebody's reality where it's much easier for you to see yourself as a rest in peace t-shirt than to have a conversation about something traumatic that happened to you as a child, yeah. right? It's like, it's it's heavy. It's yeah. really heavy, right? And so for when we talk about cannabis industry leaders and companies and people who are trying to, you know, be a part of social equity and, 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 and have their social impact statements and investing in communities, this is the type of investment that needs to be made. These yeah. are the things that they need to be making sure that they're helping us provide wraparound services for, making sure that these folks have housing, making sure that these people can get education and training in real estate and barbering and things that essentially, like at the end of the day, you can make a living off of without having a four-year degree necessarily, right? Um, so it, it's, it's, it's very heavy, right? And it, it's, um, it can be a lot, but it's also... It's also very fun, right? It's very exciting because I get to watch these people change their lives, like, mm-hmm. and and I watch them use what was once something that was blocking them from being successful to be successful, yeah. and 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 getting some kind of reparations from the people yeah. who are making money off of it, who yeah. while they sat in jail for years for no reason, yeah. so you know, it's, it's double edged sword. It is. Yeah. Right. You know, potentially getting, you know, at risk of being sick. And, I, you know, you can't be six feet away from somebody in a prison cell. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think just, just that conversation, like, you know, uh, walking around with an RIP shirt with someone's image on it versus having these hard conversations is also a matter of, you know, changing, changing, systemically changing what's, what the norm is, right? So, like, our norm is, yeah. to, from the time I was born, I'm used to seeing, you know, beautiful, beautiful murals with, like, folks pictures of folks who who've been killed right yeah yeah which has become the norm unfortunately yeah. Um, yeah i mean the artwork is beautiful but it's still the norm versus right. having really uncomfortable conversations at one point you know having the conversations about people being killed in your neighborhood was uncomfortable and you just became numb to it it's like yeah I think yeah from the perspective of like um like you know the school shootings when, yeah, when yes. what happened, right? It was everyone was mortified. Yes, it's like, oh god. Now now, like I just saw something like a what was it, like a gif or like a meme that said for the first time in over ten years there's been no there was no uh school shootings. In the beginning of the year. And I'm like, yo, it's fucking crazy. It's so sad. It's so fucking sad, <laughs> but guess why? It's because everyone's out like tucked away at home. But it's just like this right. perspective of like we don't even like we see the the more provocative ones in the rich neighborhoods, right? So that's what that's yeah dreams, but oh, it's so crazy. Um, like it I, is, it is, it is, and it, and you and you know what? You'll see the trends 
of of like I think what is considered like the the self destructive PTSD where folks are like in Chicago. Like I mean, it happens here too. Don't get me wrong, but like you know, it's like there. It's like one minute, you know, thirteen years old, they're shooting each other, and and then broad daylight in front of schools, babies are out, children, and it's like when it gets to that space, it's like it's it's a cry for help. This yeah. isn't about you being angry at the person anymore. This is a self destructive. I can't live with my own stuff thing anymore yeah. right and the other brainwashing things that happen around it but yeah so having those conversations and making sure that the industry is investing in the supportive services that help move those those projects and those those campaigns along are like imperative so yeah very big part of what we do could you talk to us about what the cannabis corp social responsibility fund is so one of the things that we were establishing is a fund or a pack, or a pack of sorts to um, have folks invest um, into this essentially fund for our program members and their loved ones and uh, communities adversely impacted by the war on drugs. Um, through this, don't do this regular um, sponsorship or donation. Um, they'll be able to help us support the wraparound services that mm-hmm. need to be completed um, for for our our, re, our reentry program, both pre and post release. So hopefully, we'll be able to go into the prisons and kind of do counseling to get them ready to come home. So mm-hmm. their families do counseling with their families to get them ready to receive them um, and do things that we can to help best keep this them from coming back mm-hmm. um or or having obstacles that pre, that naturally present themselves when you're when you're re-entering the space um our but our whole our whole focus is um is to kind of hold the the, the industry responsible for um the you know the adverse impact of the war on drugs um and I know in some cases people have said like, well, you know, we're new. We don't have anything to do with the war on drugs. We're at this company. It's like, the, you know, you're, you're walking into, um, you're, you're walking into a war, right? Like you, you've walked into, you know, the, or the after effects of a war. Right. And so you can't essentially capitalize on this without some type of retribution or yeah. some type of investment, you know, into the space. It's just, you know, the same way, um, you know, if there's oil companies that, you know, have oil spills, the 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 social the corporate social responsible thing to do would be to invest into spaces like that will that will help clean oceans and help prevent this from happening again, right? And that's something that you'll see a trend throughout that industry over time because nobody wants to be associated with oil spills. Well, okay, yeah. it's the same thing, right? The war on drugs is your oil spill. And although you may not be the one to leak the oil, you're still a part of the industry that this is where that it's coming from. created that war. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so, like those those companies that, the, that's, you know, those oil companies that, that have oil spill also are messing around with people's businesses. So right. now that, that, that you put, that you you know, ruin the ocean. Now I can't fish and I can't, and I can't put food on the plate. And that's the same thing with, with the cannabis, um, uh, drug dealer in the street that, so don't call drug dealer, but they were a businessman. They were were doing business. And Mm -hmm. now you mess up my business for putting me in jail for it. Now you got to pay me back. And my so, family, yes. and the, the impacts of that because it's just not the one individual that's impacted by incarceration. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, and, and that's one thing that I think when I was looking at your website, that was one thing that I said, you know, that's very interesting that, um, that, uh, I never seen an organization like the minority. I'm not, I can't say names, but there's a lot of organizations out there that's doing advocacy work. Organizations. Advocacy organizations. There's a lot of advocacy organizations that's, that's doing that kind of work, but they don't have that. Like that thing, that was something that I was very um, well, you know, we are. We, we thank you, and I'm looking to collaborate with other organizations. We want this to be something that happens, you know, yeah. you know, nationwide. We want everybody to be a part of this. We want this to be the kind of setting the president for precedent mm -hmm. for what cannabis organizations and companies um, are doing um, in terms of the retributive services that they can offer to, to these, to, to, to our, to our community and our folk. And I think this is an opportunity for us to figure out, you know, what, you know, and to develop our, you know, our, our cannabis constitution and figure out, you know, what we, our expectations are at, at, for, for businesses, right. We can hold ourselves accountable, set precedents and, and avoid, you know, the, the, over um, the over complications of people regulating the industry for us, you know, we can self-regulate this and, you know, set our own quality assurance standards and, and pr best practices and how our customers and patients are treated, right? Your patient bill of rights and what they expect, how they expect their service to be, right? And so we're now, we're back to mo not modeling, modeling our business model around the product, but more around the customer consumer and a patient because that's what's most important and right now if you look at the dispensaries there are a few who are patient friendly and focused but a lot of them are playing both sides right like yeah. they're for the patient but let me keep it sexy yeah. for for the for the right buyer right and it's like you're not there's ways to optimize both if we understand what's important and know the why for each mm -hmm. absolutely and it's and it's so important and like to, to freedom's point it's you know, it's one thing to say that you're an advocacy organization and you support equity and a whole other thing to say, I see a huge gap inside what people are saying and what's going to be implemented on the ground. So let's do the work so we can actually implement it and, and talk the talk and walk the walk. So a walk I mean, I look at all their websites and I don't see none of that. I don't see none of that. I see a lot of, you know, sponsorships, like, you know, sponsor me and do this if you want to become a sponsor. And then they have the, the sponsorship ladder and all these different things, but they really don't have. Uh, and it's like, funny, like, <laughs> and, it's, and, and it seems like the larger organizations with the, you know, that are getting with the big paid me yeah. and donate yeah. now buttons, it's like. You know, those are the folks that it's like, how are you not already having these this conversation? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're right next to them. How are, and so after that, it was like, okay, so we have to just figure out a way to get in the room. And I think part of it is, you know, people like to do, you know, people want to do what's easy, right? And I'm not easy, right? And so because I'm from this neighborhood, it's only there's <laughs> only but so much you can pacify yeah, me with because yeah. I have to go home to these people. Yeah. Difference, it's a difference, right? Yeah. Like when it's a difference to look like the community than it is to be the community. Yeah. So if you come to me and you're like, oh well, yeah, this is what we can do. Yeah, I'm the community. That's not enough, right? And mm -hmm. quite frankly, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm the community. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you that this is what you should do because this is the bright. Like you owe us. Right. So me yeah. coming and asking you gives you more of an opportunity to, to, to feel like you're justified to say no. You're not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not. You know, I, now I see why you and Pilar are. are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see Be that. A spicy little something. That's my <laughs> I can see that. So 
looking through your page again because I was like, you know, being a little stalker and I was like, <laughs> looking through your page. I saw That's that you all have we can a, do nowadays. So <laughs> I, I, I know you have a pitch competition. So yes. Well, unfortunately, we had to push it back because of COVID, um, but we are um, in partnership with the Black Futurist Alliance Group and uh, a couple of other amazing groups in Atlanta. We are going to be hosting our first ever, ever pitch competition. It's to help minority businesses and people of color gain access into the industry. Um, right now, we are offering three different tier prizes. Um, so there'll be three different winners, but all the all, um, all of the contestants will be eligible for our like incubator program okay. that just help you kind of like cultivate your idea, manifest your business, and kind of connect you with resources and opportunities to to you know to bring everything to fruition. Um, and so we're going to be you know giving away everything from you know cash prizes to marketing assistance mm -hmm. to videography services to event space rentals everything you would need to kind of kick off like your first two quarters successfully um you'll be able to have um upon winning this com competition and the great thing about this is uh one of the the main focuses of this is that um the business service or team has to be directly connected to someone who's from the community a community that's adversely impacted currently um is a part of the re-entry or return to citizen community or a loved one of such um, so and and so we want the this to be a social cause and a component to whatever it is that um, um, the business or services. So whether that's the directly correlated into what the product itself is, or just what you do um, with your funds, or how you divvy up some of your staffing, um, there just needs to be some kind of uh, you know pay into to those communities into into that space and that's that's kind of one of the things that we'll be looking for and so we're excited we have some some surprise yeah, judges yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we can come and, and listen and cover it. listen so we can I need, cover it you know i need coverage i need days. i need we can coverage. make that happen we can make yeah. that happen. Um, and, and anybody can enter or it got to be from philly what well no so this is going to be based actually in atlanta um, but we are opening up the submissions in the fall for, well, we probably will have to push that back, but this, we were planning on doing that this month for our, our, uh, my kids, um, for, <laughs> for, uh, our, the he threw me off. COVID <laughs> made us push back for a bit. Um, so now what was scheduled to be our fall initiative for the East Coast may going to next spring um depending on what what the circumstances are with with the gatherings and that sort of thing so yeah and then you know we may adjust to something virtual but i'm i'm hoping and trying to stay as optimistic as possible about us being released <laughs> yeah and i love it because you know a lot of people need help with their business and and you know this i don't know if you know women of color and cannabis woke yes i'm familiar yeah I, so I, they oh doing my. Something similar to what you're doing and helping people nice, um, nice. getting their pitches together, getting their their this business plans yeah. together. So do, doing a lot of those. In yes. Um, so I, I think organizations that's doing that, I give them a plug. You know, well, hey, <laughs> uh, but organizations you. like yours and and theirs that they are doing like actual work within the community that they are based in um, is something that is needed right now because yeah. a lot of this national comp. Uh, um, uh, organization that's just doing work nationally and doing work for their people, not um, not for the communities that really need it. But it's also like right. stuff that we're not taught in school. Yeah. Um, if our family, if we don't come from a family of entrepreneurs or business people, 
then it's not then we don't know no. it and so we learn how and to we do a exactly that's exactly right off. and so if we don't have mentorship programs to help hold our hand and along the way tell us that we to also hold someone else's hand behind us yes nothing right so I think yes super important. i came out of high school and i didn't even know how to write a check Listen, I mean, I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, listen, if you grow up in a house where Uncle Larry is the family attorney and Cousin Bill or the guy from the, the, the golf club is your accountant and, you know, like you have these people in your lives, you know yeah. who they are, you know what they do. They've been a part of your foundation for so long. It's not foreign to you. For me, it was like accountant. Wait, I need an accountant? Who I, like it's like a whole thing, well, right? I don't have money for an accountant. What exactly. For- what am what are you counting exactly? exactly? Because I'm check. I'm already spending check from from three months from now. So what what are you talking about? Yeah. Literally. Like y'all, sir, you'll get bored counting my nothing. So there's no, no need. Don't you even bother. I don't we don't need to account for anything. We ain't got nothing. That's just how it is. And so when you grow up with that, right? And it's like you know, there is nothing to invest. We yeah. have to figure out how next week will happen. Let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and so yeah. there's a different mindset because you're playing to, to, to survive. They're playing to win, but that's how they were raised. And so now we have to kind of unlearn and relearn, yeah. you know, the business landscape and, and, and the whole survival mode thing because we're good at surviving. Yeah. We, we, we're built for it tough. We'll last all day, but we're getting so good at it sometimes. We'll just look around. We'll look up and realize that we don't withstood everything. Mm-hmm. And we didn't necessarily have to. It was yeah. like, we just did it because we know we can. We can take it. That's all right. Let them have it. It's all right. We'll be okay. We'll survive. Don't worry. You know, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And we always do, right? And there's yeah. always the next day and a new tomorrow. But at the end of the day, it's like, how many times are we going to continue to just keep you know, we can, it's, it's, it's no shame in, 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 you know, in it at all, but it's just growing stronger and more resilient. It's only going to serve us, but so well for so long. Yeah. Right. It's like, now we, we should be able to fight. enjoy yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, the abundance. What about any, what challenges you've experienced as, as a woman of color in the cannabis industry? Um, being the only person that looks like me in the room, uh, you know, I have to speak from a space that, uh, they can respect and understand, but also is authentic. I come from, you know, a very rough neighborhood. And so I don't really, um, I don't really take lightly to large, you know, you know, groups of, 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 you know, suited white men, you know, (laughs) saying what's best for, you know, my zip code. Not you know, not even it's not even my community. It's just my zip code. So, um, it for me, the hardest part is remembering that I am there to teach people, and not everything is um, not everything. I should be taken as sensitively as sometimes I probably would, would, because I have a very, I have a big affinity for, you know, my people and my culture. I'm very protective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I can be very easily offended. And so for a while I had to work on understanding that they're not necessarily coming from a place of disrespect, more of a place of misunderstanding. And it's our job to educate them. And even when they are, you know, or they're not interested in being educated, it's still my job to set the tone, right? And 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 explain and do what I need to do 
um, from my from my, from from my platform, from where I am, right? Um, and and kind of avoiding the whole meeting people where you are thing. That's cool until you got to go low, and it's mm-hmm. like now you're down here for no reason, mm-hmm. right? And so I I believe in meeting people where they are, but to an extent. And so you know, I just had to really polish up my um, ability to to even you know uh, deal with you know other people of color in a space who may not share my my enthusiasm or my, you know, my initiative, my, my concern for a certain initiative or lack thereof, um, you know, that's a, you know, that's probably a harder pill to swallow than yeah. having to feel like I'm, you know, combating, you know, going against, you know, the, you know, the other people. It, it, for me, it's, you know, and when you, when I, the monetized tokenism, Right, and where where it becomes profitable to talk about, you know. What well, was say that again? What you said? Monetized tokenism. Yo, that was like that's a powerful. Yo, you sum that you sum everything that I feel in those two words right there. Um, yo, and it's funny because like you think about how many times you you watch these panels come up about conversations about, yeah. a, you know, a, inclusivity and diversity, and they're you know, they're, you know, expensive venues, you know, fancy mills, nice platforms, cool venues. And it's like, you could have used half of that and helped double the amount of people in that room from our community. I guarantee you. And nobody, and I guarantee you, nobody would have ever cared about anything that was said on that panel. That's the same conversation y'all been having for the last six years. Yeah. About the same thing with the same people. In the same rooms. In the Yo, same room. And at this point, like, now we have to start looking at, like, hold on, who's sponsoring all this shit? Yeah. Excuse my language, but who's paying for this? Because we need to just go directly to the funding source and say, yeah, we got something way better you could be doing with your money. Because <laughs> this right here ain't it, right? Yeah. Like, you you can do this amongst your own time with some other folks. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, this is not it. This is not productive. This is not helping people understand. What this does is make people feel like, you know what, I tried. I did something today. Yeah, and I they feel good. The movement. I helped the cause. Yeah, I went out there and did something special for up somebody else. When in all actuality, that was just to pacify your own, yeah, you know, innate feelings of Internal. inadequacy for what you've been doing or lack thereof in yeah. this space. Exactly. Yeah, so, there was a, um, um, an event that I went to. I mean, the they had they had equity all over it. You know, equity, 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 and then they had it. In a place where sixty-five percent of the people that live there are Caucasian, are white. You can't say Caucasian no more. Why? Caucasian is a fake term. Yeah. So they they were white, and those people that live in that neighborhood, they're not getting they're not getting arrested, they're not getting harassed, they're not you know for right. selling the cannabis. So you're talking about equity. And then when I mention, um, because every time I go to a meeting, I always ask the same fucking question. I don't care. When are you going to have this meeting? in the projects and you should have this meeting in the projects and one of the one of the people that was organizing a black woman she said well while i was dancing in the apollo i was doing my show and when i came out to take a smoke break one of the security guards was looking at me wrong telling me that why am i smoking i'm black older man why am I smoking? Our communities don't need, don't want to um, make money in the industry. They don't want to um, domesticate the, the plant. So don't don't talk to me about going to the neighborhood because I've tried. I'm like, yo, that's one person first of all, and those are the people you need to really be hammering with a hammer. And right, like, like, what and are you that, talking and it, about? And it kills me, and it's so frustrating because 
you know, like, and I, it's funny, I've had an experience like that. Like I'm, you know, going to, you know, straight to, to an organization. I was like, listen, my, the people who need to be in this room cannot afford this ticket price. Yes. I was like, well, yeah. And they literally said to me, well, they're not for this event, mm. but the event was for them. And it was like, <laughs> I, okay, you lost me, dude. I, yeah. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I don't know what to even do with that. Dude, like, I, Listen, if it wasn't for weed, if it wasn't for smoking, I would I would have been I would have been like <laughs> if it wasn't for <laughs> Cause they don't know and see that's what I keep saying. You know, like it's different from somebody who look like they're from the community, who's actually from the community. Y'all yeah. lucky I smoke now. Like y'all lucky, <laughs> you know. Said I don't have all that stress right now on yeah. my back. Uh, um, nice so alternative holistic medicine to keep us <laughs> calm because Lord knows. So, Lord knows. You, you oh, go ahead, go ahead, oh. go ahead. Oh, go ahead. So, <laughs> y'all are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> could you talk to us about what the what legalization and advocates for legalization look like? What does that space look like in in Pennsylvania? Um, it looks like a lot of different things right now um, because we have a lot of different people who are going into a lot of different directions for the same good cause, right? Mm -hmm. um, we are, we're a bit um, broken up. There's, a, like I said, a lot of different spaces that people could be tapping into collectively, I think, that we aren't. But I'm hoping that with the upcoming expungement week, this will be a project that I can kind of pull everybody together in one and kind of use folks to, you know, um, their, their, you know, to their skills. Um, uh, we have people in the space who are doing some dope things that I think that, again, if we you know, just had some reinforcement and some some support behind one of one another would do very well. Um, right now, we are kind of fighting this whole COVID cannabis. Yeah. What the industry will look like, what the legalization. I mean, what the the um, ex offender space is going to look like. How how are we combating this? How are we talking about this? Um, and then mainly. You know, my biggest thing right now is, um, of course, my my program and my return to citizen folk are my priority. But my biggest conversation now is, um, we can't. This can't be an essential business and a schedule one. Yeah, it, it can't be. Make no sense. Can't be. Can't be. I, and I'm quite frankly, I'm surprised we're not. There's not a bunch of niggas hanging from the the White House pole screaming. Yeah, right now. As as, as adamant as folks have been about the whole schedule one thing and the classification and you know i've seen a lot of people be really up in arms and passionate about it right um but this now they're right happy that it's an essential like, business now yeah but this right here seems like this is the thing right like this seems like this is the conversation there there, there shouldn't be a way that we can let up we can let them up on this one right mm -hmm. like because it can't be an essential business and also not medicinally beneficial I, I it can't be both and so now that you've declared it essential that means obviously there's some medicinal benefit to it that and that in turn automatically means that this should not be on schedule one anymore yeah. right and so i.e now we need to have a conversation about reclassification what stands you know where cannabis stands making sure that this is not something that's illegal anymore and how are we vacating these these uh convictions how are we getting these people their lives back, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the frustrating thing is the only fight we have now left is them not wanting to go back on something that they said, right? Mm -hmm. Like this, there's no, 
It's not science behind it. It's not, you know, it's not criminal rates behind it. It's not, it's not anything statistical data and it's not anything tangible behind their argument of why this should be a federal one, a schedule one, you know, classified substance and why it should not be legal other than the fact that they already said that it shouldn't be. Like there's nothing else, right? And so now we should just keep pushing. This should not be something that we let up on. This shouldn't be something that we let slide, right? And, you know, I know a lot of folks who, who are, you know, up in arms and like, yo, you know, I'm a cannabis business, we're essential, but I got like 10 months of operating costs left. Yeah. We don't get funding. You know, like now we need to start having conversations and pull those people in. And, and listen, give me those last three months of funding and toss them to this advocacy yeah. group so we can get yeah, this yeah, ball yeah, rolling yeah, yeah, and make yeah, sure yeah. that you don't have to worry about that next three, you know what I mean, quarters of, of support. I'm running with you. Not, I'm rolling with you. Like, I'm rolling with you. That's so crazy, right? I thought it was just me. I'm like, I gotta be tripping. Like, it must be something I ain't read yet. So I ain't saying it out loud because I don't want. Let me wait until I got all the information. Because I'm about to blurt this out. I'm about to blurt this out. I'm blurt this out. So you was talking about expungement week. So what is expungement mm-hmm. week and and how is um, cannabis nor right nor? Oh yeah. Involved. Expungement week. Yeah. I love Expungement Week. I was so excited to be a part of it. So Expungement Week is a multi-city activation that was spearheaded by Adam Van, Adam Vine um, and Tori Marshall. Shout out to uh, Tori Marshall and We Big and Adam Vine and the new crew. Um, but they came up with this concept that we would have this one week of focusing on criminal justice and reform and expungements and helping people who are incarcerated. Um, of course, definitely about cannabis conventions, but this is about everybody. This is about mm-hmm. incarceration. It's about social reform. This is about us making sure that prisoners are treated fairly, that people are getting you know, proper treatment, that they're getting, you know, due processes, that they're not being arrested on crazy charges in small towns and being held for years mm-hmm. and years. Like, this is about those things, right? And so while I do love the attention that it gets from the cannabis industry and I, and how, and I, and I am very, I'm very, very, very insistent on the industry being, a, having a big role in expungement week, this is for everybody, right? And so, you know, I'm calling on the Ubers and the Lyfts and the, you know, the the subways and the, all those, all these folks, all these folks are going to get a letter from me if they haven't already got one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this, this is about making sure that we're offering opportunities for those people. So typically we host a lot of different events during that week um, at the same time all over the country. Um, and there are expungement clinics, record ceilings, um, registration events. Um, we did a community, uh, benefit resource, uh, fair where we had everybody from like public assistance and like American Red Cross and like do diabetes screenings and registration for medicinal cards and like this whole big thing. Um, we actually held it in the church. So there was no apprehension, Mm -hmm. no need to be worried about getting your card or getting arrested Mm -hmm. or, you know, having warrants or anything like that. Um, so it was a really good opportunity for for us to really connect with that community. And once we saw that there was a need and people were willing to invest and in making sure that we were able to support them, we had like Blackman Hill Dining Dialogue event that was part of Expungement Week. Um, we did a lot of like mental health and like yoga and meditation okay. with some some different organizations. And so we just kind of tapped into everything we felt like that would be needed from like housing support and resource fairs and like job and trainings and like everything we could do and jam pack into that week to let them know like, Hey, this is what um, we need. 
This is what we should we we need to follow up on. This is the group I need to talk to regularly. I need housing, so this is where I need to be. And like so, we just wanted to make sure there was enough resources available for everybody. And then afterward, people kept coming back and kept calling. And we reached out and folk were like, "Yeah, we'll still help." So we was like, "Yeah, we'll still help you." And so <laughs> it kind of kept going on. And so now we're gearing up for twenty twenty. A lot of what will happen will probably be a lot of, um, you know, like telecommunication stuff, right? Depending on what this looks like, but that's cool because we have like Cool for America. We have a bunch of other different groups that are based in in tech and STEM and and Black girls and in STEM and science um, that are that are driving for us to have you know opportunities for us to do like online expungement clinics and you know, do some, some legal aid clinics in, in, in person, I mean, um, via telecommunication. So I think there's, you know, going to be a great opportunity for anybody who needs the assistance and the resources still, no matter how we do it. Um, but we're in the process of planning that, that, at now, that out now. Um, we have like our first official like collective meeting call coming up pretty soon. I think it's like on 420. So um, we're excited. Yay. Yeah. I mean, we're excited <laughs> for that because um, this year, we're going to be definitely more involved in the Spongebob yeah. Week. Um, I told Pilar that, you know, she, she, I'm going to follow her like, like a stalker. I'm going to be like white on rice. Yes. Right yes. Be on her to make sure that, um, that this happens. And I'm excited for Spongebob Week for this year. Sure. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. Could you tell us a little bit about what, what your friends and your family have said about your work? Um, <sighs> Uh, it depends on who you ask, you know, <laughs> honestly, it a family member. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of family left. Um, okay. but I mean, my family is, ve- my family is very like, they, they know me. So they're like, you know, I think more so it's like, it, it was more like, how'd you, what'd you, you know, how'd you pull that off? What are you doing? Like, what's, what's happening? Why, like, why who's, like, who, who'd you make a deal with? Like, you're out here doing stuff. Like, what's going on? Um, but, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I come from, like, a space where, you know, before I started this, I was regional marketing director for Chick-fil-A Atlanta. And so I worked pretty heavily in a corporate space, but on a very, like, not restrictive but a very like traditional space like I'm tall so like a lot of times my skirts if I sit down they'll come above my knee because I'm taller even if they're not you know even if they're knee limb um because I'm 5'10 um but it was like you know can you put something on your legs it's like it's my kneecap bro like I don't I don't know how to cover up I'm not gonna do that right and like so I, I come from that space. So to go from a space where, you know, I was consulting people on the side and doing marketing and branding and sales for a company like Chick-fil-A and had that image to like, you know, selling stoner girl mugs, you know, <laughs> smoking hemp on, on Instagram is, it's a little different. Right. And so I think a lot of people who see it from like my past um, corporate experiences are like oh wow like you know whereas though like there's like a strong like 60 percent of them who are just like 
I didn't know, like, call me. Like, I didn't know you smoked. Where can I, you know, like, they're like, oh my God. Like, I didn't, you know, so for it's for them, it's just like, oh, you know, or, I, or you made it okay to say something. So now here I am saying <laughs> yeah. something. Like, so um, it's pretty cool. I mean, the most difficult things that I have to deal with is my, my I have a 13 year old. So, um, navigating through luckily having you know a kid and you know explaining weed um to a kid is hard because you have to explain that it's medicine but then why they can't use it but why some kids can use it but why you know so there's a lot of different and you but you know my son's very um uh, my son's not interested at all. So he's very like, you know, like he's, you made it he's okay. very like, you made it yeah, okay. he's like, is this yours? I don't think, you know, like, <laughs> this, this, can you get this, you get this out of We're leaving it all for Yeah, like. My friends are coming yours? and looking at your, at um, your roaches. Yeah. Is this yours? Like he's, yeah, he's very like, can you get your things away, please? They're, they're, they're near my Legos. Thanks. Like, that. so he's not, at all like interested or like but he does think it's funny like he he'll, he does make the correlation when he sees stuff like on tv and they're like you know doing stoner stuff and they're like being all like oddy and like, yeah. he was like mom they're making fun of your work again it was like, <laughs> yes it's like yeah. okay then at least he knows that that's not normal so that's good so for sure, for sure. So we've come to, to the segment of our show called just for fun so we ask a couple of questions just for fun and we just go from there so what okay. for you when you first smoked? What did you smoke and how was your experience? Um, I was in college. I I wasn't, you know, I I um Nate Bloomer. Huh? Yeah, I guess yeah, me too. I'm a Bloomer. <laughs> okay, because I mean most people I talked to I, I said it like that because most people are like, I was 14. It was like yes. <laughs> I was 22. I was in 4-H. I don't know what you guys were doing, but I was in, I was at the after school program in real life. Like I didn't, no, sorry, not till I was, no, but I was, um, I was in college. A friend of mine, uh, Birdie, uh, her name's Tamika, but her nickname's Birdie. And we're still friends today. Um, she let me, you know, try some of her joint. And it, actually, I'm sorry, it was, it was a blunt, uh, it was just like, I, you know, I don't know what kind it was. And quite frankly, I don't think she did either. <laughs> like it was college. I think it was like, it, it looked like we just smelled like we like smoke it. Um, and so she was like, well, we got to sit in the car and roll the windows up so that none of the air gets out or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so I'm sitting in the car and I hit it a couple of times and I was like, well, I don't really feel anything. Yeah, I was like, you guys bought like, something else because this just stinks like it doesn't and you know I, I was always the non-smoker like I was you know, on great american smoke out campaign and just quit and all that like you know but I come from a place where they're sitting on my step smoking weed like as I go out to go to school like the neighborhood guys are on my step smoking weed so it's like I'm familiar but it was always something that that those folk did um so when you got around intelligent culture professionals see me young adults who were still partaking. It was like, oh, well, I guess it's not this whole, it's like, not that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. You know, like birdie smoking, I guess I could try it. <laughs> so, um, and like I tried and, you know, I took a couple puffs and so yeah, I don't feel anything or whatever. Um, and then we got into the house we had, and we were at a Sigma party. We got into the house and I was, I, she gave me a drink and we were standing there and 
I just remember feeling very like laughy. I just wanted to laugh. <laughs> like, everything was so funny. I was like, <laughs> and she was like, I was like, I think I'm hot. And she was like, it just I think in. you are too. Like, it was like, yeah, like, duh, you just smoked it. That was, I, was like, I was like, wait, is this what it feels like? She was like, what do you feel? I was like, ha. She was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Wait, what do you, okay. Yes, that's what it feels like. And so, um, from there, you know, I wasn't really like, eh, you know, into it, but a couple of other experiences and, you know, I had, I was really, really stressed about some projects that were coming up and I was just like, I, you know, but I wasn't around anybody who smoked. And of course I, I'd only had the experience a couple of times, but I knew it would mellow me out because I distinctly remember, you know, later on that evening when I got home, I was like, you know, I just felt like very lax. I was like, this is like the best sleep in this bed I've ever gotten. Like my roommate is just cool as shit today. Like, I don't know what it is, but I like, I'm digging her vibe today. I'm, I've never liked her the whole semester. Now I was like, I like her, something about her. Like, and so, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna try it because I'm stressed and I need to do this. And it was like that moment where it was like, okay, you found somebody finally to get the weed from, because that was a process if you yeah. never bought it yourself. Yeah. So I had to find a person. I had to do the drug deal. It was like this whole thing, <laughs> right? It was like, it wasn't like just copping now because I'm a seasoned vet. It's like, oh, here's a drug deal. This is what I have to do. Here's my bandana. Here's my mask. Um, you know, I'm going to have my money already together. I'm going to slide my gloves, it my fingers. Know? And so that it just goes, you don't even see. It was like, yo, like, you got to so freaked out for no reason. All, you know, right. I got a raincoat on with a big collar. Like, I'm like, yo, this was, it was so unnecessary. And then I was like, all right, cool. I got through that. Right. I met him at Shannon parking lot, came back down behind the building. Boom. I had it. Was ready. Got back to the dorm, had the rap. And it was like, you don't know how to roll. <laughs> oh my god so now i'm sitting there and i'm like i didn't break it up right because uh, you know of course now i know but looking back it was like i didn't really break it up right i just don't i'm like putting it in there trying yeah. to get it around it's too wet on some places dry in the other place it's ripping apart i'm trying to like literally it was like i had to put like my finger strategically all the way down it and like smoke it like a flute because like, it was just like yeah like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm literally and and because my I'm new you know it only took a couple of good puffs and I was like I'm good now? oh brother I was I I'm so mad to this day I'm like you wasted so much so <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. yeah. So if you could smoke with anybody dead or alive, who would you smoke with and what would you talk about? Mm, probably Malcolm X. Like before he was Malcolm X. Oh, okay. Uh, Malcolm Little. Like Ratch. Like I would talk to Ratch and Malcolm X who was some yeah, of the jazz players. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be very interested to see. Like what that space looked like. Like I would just want to follow him around and smoke with him while he did his deliveries to like John Coltrane and like Dizzy Gillespie and like yeah. random crazy jazz artists and Langston yeah. Hughes's like writing room. Like what? Like because it's different being the dealer, right? Like you just get a different perspective of people and how things move and how things happen. So it's like I would, I would want to, I would probably go that route. Like pre Malcolm X. <laughs> Awesome. So what's next for your company? What are some of your short and long-term goals? 
Oh, well, um, we, of course, Expansion Week is coming up. We are working on um, some product stuff. We have some products that are going to be coming out soon that we're excited about. Um, we're doing a lot of advocacy work and legislation work um, both here in Atlanta. Uh, we're working on rehabbing a prison in Atlanta. Wow. Um, we're working on some community garden stuff here in Philly. Um, trying to get folks growing, food sovereignty. I'm from a food desert yeah. community, so I know what that life is like. Um, really so yeah, we definitely we have an that's it, yeah. right? And so, like, there was never, like, I had a health scare at one point last year, and, you know, I had to change my diet, and unfortunately, it was like, no processed foods, no chips, no this, no milk, and it was like, I literally could eat the fruit from the granola cup at McDonald's. That was the only thing I could eat in seven blocks in every direction in my neighborhood. Like, I, I took, t like, kept track of it, and I kept thinking, I'm like, well, if this is the stuff that's going to keep me from getting cancer then how can i like why are they okay to eat it every day like yes. all the time generations of us yes. chinese store puerto rican store you know fry like it's never you know and and so food sovereignty growing your own food being able to have access to organic options that aren't sky hot is super important so i'm all the way with that we definitely gotta talk yeah. more about that now our last question is what piece of advice would you give a listener who is interested in starting a business in the cannabis industry? There's so many things I would love to say. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, the main thing is know your why. Like, know your why. Know what brought you to this space. Why you're doing what you're doing. Because no matter what changes, i.e. COVID-19, right? Like, our why isn't different. Our, our process to get the results of the why are different. Yeah. Right. Like that's the only thing that changes when you know your why It's like nothing can nothing can throw you off. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can 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 get your way because it's just a matter of you finding another alternative method to your end goal. And that's the same end goal as it was before. Right. So when you go into this and you're like, oh, you know what? Edibles are popping. I'm going to do edibles. That's my thing. Right. And then something happens in the entire process from which you're allowed to even make those changes. Right. Now you're like, oh, crap. What am I going to do? I don't know because the why the edibles wasn't the why it was just something yeah. you were interested in right like if you're saying you know like I want to do something to improve people's gut health long term right and make sure they're eating properly or whatever like then now it's like okay it's not even about edibles it's about the food it's about teaching yeah. them about healthy consumption it's about teaching them how to you know mix and and do ratios properly right and so again it's a whole different thing that just baking the the edibles you know? exactly right and like and so if you know your why you know and you know what your end goal is and what your end result is everything else is just uh, the journey that's right that's right so um if our listeners want to get in touch with you um how would they get in touch with you how can they reach how can they find you how can they reach you um well we're all we all over the place so you can find us on instagram for sure at cannabis underscore noir and that's n-o-i-r-e um we're also on facebook as cannabis noir we're also on twitter now lord help us yeah, yeah. Twitter. 
so that's also Cannabis Noir. And our website is www.cannabisnoir.com. We'll be putting up a lot of information. We got a COVID-19 resource link for small business owners and people who are looking to get resources and assistance. We have uh, registration links for cannabis cards. We have um, National Expungement Week info going to be posting soon. So this is definitely a good place to come for resources. And we also love to hear from people who want to offer resources because we, we want to make sure we're sharing as much as we can with as many people as possible. Thank you. Thank you great. so much. This was great. Uh, yes. Conversation. Yes, you, it was. I had so much fun with y'all. Yeah, thank you so <laughs> much. Um, and yes, this has been another episode of Blue Dream Radio. As always, I'm your host. Freedom. And I'm LEG. See you next week. Peace. Thank you so much. Clowns, I spot them and I can't stop laughing. Easy come, easy go. Evie gonna be lasting. Jealousy, let it go. Results could be tragic. Some of y'all ain't writing well. Too concerned with fashion. None of you ain't Giselle. Kept walking. Are you enjoying this podcast? If you haven't done so already, rate us. Your voice matters and gets us in front of new listeners every single day. Have a great weekend. Peace.